Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. I want you to picture your home. This picture probably includes your house, your belongings, and your family. Let me ask you a question. Do you like when your home is chaotic? Unless you're lying to yourself, the answer is no. Now, don't get me wrong. Your definition of chaotic might be different than mine, but you have rules and expectations for how your house should operate, how clean it should be, how people should behave, how the overall combination of people and things operates together in your world. Well, God has expectations and rules about his house, so to speak. He expects the body of Christ to behave a certain way when they get together. And today we're going to see Paul explain to the Corinthians how they have let their home get out of order. In today's New Testament chapter in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul has more to say about prophecy and tongues. But before we dive into some of the specifics, I want to give us a lens in which to view it. In verse 12, Paul says something that I believe is the hinge that all his other words swing on in this chapter. He says, strive to excel in building up the church. It's also important to understand the context of the Corinthian mindset at this time. They weren't interested in edifying the church, but rather they were more interested in the spectacle and drawing attention to themselves. And spiritual gifts are always for the edification of the body and not for the building up of the self. As we continue, it's important to define prophecy or the act of prophesying. What does Paul mean when he says to prophesy? He is speaking about someone who is forthtelling or publicly proclaiming. A good way to think of it is this. He isn't speaking about foretelling, but rather forthtelling. Foretelling is predicting the future. Forthtelling is a public proclamation. Think of prophecy as proclaiming a revelation from God. Since you are listening to this in 2022 and our Bibles are complete, the scriptures have all been written. Prophecy today is not a new source of new revelation, but it is limited to proclaiming what God has already said in his holy scriptures. Even the prophets of the Old Testament and authors in the New Testament did more forthtelling than they did foretelling. So is there really a gift of prophecy today? Well, I think we can foretell, we can proclaim the truth of scripture, but I don't think there is a gift that allows us to speak new revelation from God. I think there are those in the modern church who are skilled at knowing God's word and sharing it with others, but I'm not convinced that that is the same thing that Paul is speaking about when he refers to the gift of prophecy. I think he is speaking of New Testament prophets, those that are mentioned in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Now getting back to the gift of tongues, during the time of the Corinthian church, the concept was that tongues should be the exception, not the rule. When those present at Pentecost spoke in tongues, it wasn't chaotic. It was powerful because they were people speaking in clear, real languages, and others were there interpreting, and therefore many got saved. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 20-23, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, 
scripture, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Tongues during Paul's time was a gift given to certain people at certain times to be used with discretion with an interpreter to proclaim the gospel for the purpose of seeing the unbeliever become a believer. And again, it was always done in an orderly fashion and on mission. Verse 26 says, what then brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Paul brings us back to the core mission of what these gifts are all about building up the church. And the means to do that is through order and not chaos. In the Corinthian church, they were coming together and chaotically trying to point the attention back to themselves. Paul says that that behavior is antithetical to the gospel and biblical living. And he continues that train of thought by saying in verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Obediently serving the church with the gift that he has given us will never be done in a spirit of chaos and confusion because God is not a God of confusion. So Paul is clearly explaining how the gift of tongues and prophecy should be approached in his time. But what about us now? Does the gift of tongues still exist? Well, to start, we want to look at what the Bible says about the gift of tongues in relation to our walk with Christ now. First off, we need to recognize that even if someone were to obediently speak in tongues today, they would have to be speaking a real language and they would need to have an interpreter. We can clearly see this in Acts 2, 1 through 11 and our passage here in 1 Corinthians 14. It's also important to note that the word tongue in Greek is glossa, which is defined as a type of language or code. That would mean that there always needs to be a decoder when a tongue is spoken or else it would only have half the equation. Now, some people will argue that 1 Corinthians 14 is evidence of a heavenly language that is different from the incident in Acts 2. I would argue, along with other interpreters, that this is not an example of another type of tongues, but rather the same tongues being talked about in the middle of a different circumstance. Paul is arguing that tongues, when interpreted, pleases God, and it's a form of prophecy because truth is being spoken and heard. However, if a tongue is not interpreted when the speaker is putting the focus on himself, he will incur judgment. You've probably heard the word cessationism before, but what does that mean? Well, it's the belief that specific gifts like tongues and healing, they have ceased with the end of the apostolic age. And the apostolic age is the time period when the gift of apostleship, those commissioned directly by Christ, occurred. Now, continuationism is the opposite view, this idea of the gifts continuing, claiming that they're still being used by God's people today. In order to hold a confident view that the gifts have ceased, you need to know more about the age of the apostles and what died with it, or better yet, what died with them. We know that there were 12 apostles, with Judas being replaced by Matthias. There were also others given the gift of apostleship. We know that Paul had this gift. We know that James, Christ's half-brother, did as well. If we look at Galatians 1.19, Barnabas is also noted as an apostle in Acts 14.4 as he's looped in with Paul there. To be an apostle in the gifted sense, you have to have seen the Lord Jesus Christ risen and have been appointed to the task of apostleship by him. And Paul seems to be stating in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, that he was the last one to be visited by the Lord Jesus Christ. So no more apostles after Paul. And I think it's likely that we can all agree that there are no more apostles in the technical sense. They all died out with the early church. So we must ask the question, were there any gifts that were meant to die out with them? Did the gift of tongues die along with the apostles and the prophets? Well, I personally believe they did. 
As we see in 1 Corinthians 14, there are specific biblical requirements for using the gift of tongues, and there is a lack of any evidence of anyone abiding by those guidelines when performing their so-called gift in the modern-day church. As I was teaching on the book of Zechariah this weekend, I was challenging the class regarding what they believe about eschatology or the study of end times. I told them that it's important to have a biblically informed stance on what they believe about the end times. I believe the same is true regarding the topic that we're diving into today. Some of these topics, they're hard to grasp, and sometimes we won't be so secure in our belief that we feel confident to have a public debate. And that's not really the point. We don't want to debate others about what we believe. We want to seek biblical truth and be confident in what we're finding. We should study God's word with the intention of forming a belief about what God is saying. My two rules of thumb are these. Don't shy away from having a deeply held belief that is guided by a deeply studied Bible. And then second, don't become so aggressive in your defense of that belief that you become combative and unchristlike in your pursuit to shoot others down. Moving on to our Old Testament reading, we're in 1 Kings 7 and 2 Chronicles 4. In this reading, we see how Solomon built his palace complex, a large house or series of houses and living spaces that was much bigger and in some ways more ornate than the temple. His house took 13 years to build. The temple, if you remember, took a little over seven years to build. Now, to be fair, it's possible that Solomon built the temple faster because he wanted the place of worship to be completed fast because of its importance. But it's hard not to think, based on the description that we see in today's passage, that Solomon, he may have put a little more effort and resources into building his own home more than the temple. Then we read about the temple furnishings. Here we see another Hiram of Tyre. This Hiram is a different Hiram than yesterday's reading, and today's Hiram is not the king of Tyre. It says that he was full of wisdom, understanding, and skill for making any work in bronze. Interestingly, This is a similar description to that of Bezalel, who constructed the tabernacle in Exodus 31.3. What can we take away from the description of the craftsmen of the items that will go into God's holy temple? Very similar to the craftsmen who built the tabernacle and the items associated with it? Well, that each person who is going to do a task for the Lord should seek to do it with wisdom, understanding, and skill. Yesterday, we reviewed how God gives us gifts to serve the body of Christ. Today, we reviewed how a misuse of those gifts can cause chaos within the church. So today, as we journey into whatever God has for us, let's remember to seek God's word to know how to best identify and use a gift, and then use every means possible to do it with all wisdom, understanding, and skill. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. Pastor Ben Blakey will be back again on August 22nd. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.